Welcome to Destiny's Not Dead, episode 11. I'm your host, Grindhead Jim. It's been a while. Hope everyone's doing all right. I hope you're enjoying your life as a guardian. Folks, as I said, it has been a while. So let me explain my absence. Um, Destiny's Not Dead kind of came to rest a little over a year ago, and it, it kind of boiled down to there being a really good place for the community at that point, very positive things to be firing on all cylinders. And you couple that with, you know, the time that I spent with the Destiny Unfiltered podcast, there really wasn't a need for this podcast in that space. This podcast was originally designed to bring about rational, uh, leaning into positive discussion about the game and community that we love so much. And with the community stance being what it was and, you know, my attention being elsewhere, there really wasn't much of a point for me to continue with the show. Um, being I'm no longer on Destiny Unfiltered and coupling that with a kind of a shift in where the community's going, I think it's time to bring this puppy back. So let's get right into it. The first topics I want to discuss on the show really boil down to the new season, season 10. Uh, we have a season of the worthy, as, it, as it's called. We have trials uh, of Osiris, not of the nine, not of St. 14, trials of Osiris coming back. First and foremost, this is an amazing turn uh, for the franchise in general. This is easily, and I don't say this lightly, the most important element of having kept Destiny alive when nothing else was working. There was a long period of time at the end of Destiny 1's life cycle that, uh, you know, prior to seasons, you know, the, the moments of triumph, the age of triumph, I should say, prior to that, there really wasn't anything that was keeping Destiny in the public eye. Uh, but, you know, going flawless every weekend with, you know, big streamers, a lot of sweats and discussions about weapons and things of that nature, that really is the biggest thing that kept the whole thing alive because everything else was kind of just kind of trudging along because trials always had this unexpected element, this human element, this, there was a lot of excitement around it. It was always a, a very difficult but fun, you know, element of the game. So I want to say right off the bat that I'm really stoked that trials is coming back and that we're going to be getting something uh, that the whole entire community has agreed universally needed to come back in a good form. When it was originally announced that it was coming back, what was also announced was that power level advantages were enabled. Now, generally speaking, that's the way things were before. It's a good thing, and I think that it's a smart move. But then when you add in the aspect of the artifact, we as a community, I don't think anyone was like, oh yeah, it's fine. I didn't hear anyone say that. We were all universally like, no, take that out. We don't want anyone sitting there grinding to level 1,200 and just stomping everybody. And in, I think, less than 48 hours, just before the 12 came out on Thursday, Luke Smith said, we're disabling that until we can figure out a power cap system. Here's why that's important. Two things. One, the fact that they hurt us and moved so quickly, great stuff. Secondly, I like the idea of there being a power cap. So if you don't want to or are unable to do a lot of the pinnacle pursuits, you still have a chance at being viable in the space. So 
I think it's important that, you know, when that, that power cap system comes into play, um, that it be there because that, that allows for a balance of, of gameplay and, and player accessibility uh, that otherwise wouldn't be there. So it makes the artifact not a four-letter word, so to speak. So I'm really, really stoked about that. I think it's going to be great. Um, but that means in the meantime, you, you better get on your pinnacles when Season 10 rolls around in a couple weeks here. So um, along with that, we've got changes coming to one-hit kill abilities, um, which I'm not going to go into detail on. It's all in the TWAB. Uh, but every single one-hit kill, you know, ability is, is being looked at and being tuned to be balanced and, you know, fair, at least in the eyes of what they've tested. Uh, my beloved Shoulder Charge is getting a bit of a nerf with regards to its auto-aim, but getting an extension on its lunge uh, distance when you're not targeting a Guardian. So I, I think it's a really good trade-off. Um, for what it is, and, and I'll be honest, there there have been plenty of times, if you ever watch me stream, uh, shoulder charge is a bit too sticky at times. But I will also say, there have been plenty of times where I've said, why did I hit that guy? So, for me, it feels like, as an avid user of that ability, I'm probably not going to see a huge difference, and I'm not going to be getting any kills that I shouldn't be getting. I do tend to target pretty hard. So I'm not really worried about um, adjusting to this change. I think it's a, a fair nerf relative to, the, to you know, what's happening with the other ones, like handheld Supernova, which is getting a pretty big nerf. But it's changing the, the utility of it. You know, extending range um, in some ways, and it's nerfing it in others, um, lowering the amount of time that you can hold it, things like that. In other words, it's making it less of a... <gasps> Uh, kind of ability and more of a you have to plan and, and be really be in the thick of it for it to work properly. And then with the throwing knife, it's going to go where you tell it to go rather than it being this just throw it willy-nilly and it'll hit something, which is good. Because um, I had a lot of frustrations with that uh, ability when I was using it in Iron Banner and things like that. So, and uh, so, so I feel like just based on that revelation alone, uh, plus some of the other things we've talked about with regard to them tuning subclasses so there's more range of viability, I think is smart as well. But the main thing I want to talk about today, because um, we can talk about the season once it's here and not to discuss things in theory, but I want to get out in front of this other revelation from this week that... Um, it isn't implemented yet. There's not a date of implementation in place, uh, which leads me to believe it's still on the drawing board, which means it's something that we can help Bungie figure out together. And that's retiring weapons for the sake of mitigating power creep. Okay? Uh, I want to be clear and upfront that I agree that with the system we have in place currently, that power creep is definitely a thing. And then I, I agree we have to find a solution for it. I'm not a game developer. I don't claim to be a game developer. I'm just a guy who's been playing this game for, you know, coming up on six years. And um, I'm very passionate about it. And I, I want to share my thoughts. So with that in mind, I'm going to discuss this. So 
If you don't know by now, Luke Smith put out a new director's cut for 2020, talked about a wide range of topics, the, the mo you know, majority of which was resoundingly positive. A lot of great stuff that was coming. Um, they're taking this commitment seriously with seasons and so forth. And I think it's very wise that one of the things they're doing is, is taking away this focus on creating new things to do at the expense of kind of cheapening the stuff we already have. So they're looking to use seasons to bolster the existing content or draw attention to certain pieces of content or simply spread the new rewards out across the existing content to give you reasons to do that. And then along with that, bringing that theme to those other things. So for me, that kind of means a combination of how things used to be where you'd be roaming in a patrol area and there'd be a thematic type of public event that would happen during that season or that you know period of time, um, whether it was the Taken that would come down before Taken King or, um, you know, the... The, the, you know, the legions of wolves that would come down, stuff like that during House of Wolves. I think that's kind of what they're leaning into, possibly something even a bit more robust, and I think it's a smart move. Encouraging people to patrol, go into strikes, maybe have some themed wanted enemies, something like that. I think that's smart. Um, but as we talk about putting new things into the game, new rewards, new challenges, things like that, you know, we're stuck with this idea of, if you look at your vault, if you're anything like me, you're always kind of getting close to that 500 mark. Uh, and, I, and I try really hard to keep a lid on my vault. But I've hung on to a lot of stuff. And this idea of having to delete stuff just to make room for the new stuff is, is it wears on you after a while. There are things that I'm hanging on to, even from year one, because of uh, you know elemental damage having three of one thing so something's reliable and so forth. And that's something I'm, depending upon where this particular endeavor goes, I'm probably going to abandon all that stuff, um, which will make my collection much smaller, and I'm okay with that, to be honest with you. Because it's one of these things. You know, there's an old adage when it comes to hoarding things in real life, and that is, if you haven't used it in six months, or haven't thought of it in six months, you probably don't need it, you can throw it out. I would argue this doesn't necessarily apply to certain things, especially to collectors. But I, I agree with that, especially in the sense of a game you play several times a week or a couple times a week where you're using specific weapons. Um, so you have to kind of keep a lid on that collection of things that you're actually going to use. No matter how much emotional investment you may have in finally have, you know, getting that in your hand, do you use it? And if the answer is no, maybe you should dismantle the damn thing. Now, I bring that up because that's my decision to make. I get to decide what's viable to me and what isn't viable to me, right? Bungie doesn't come in and say, you can't use that anymore. They did that in Destiny 1. A lot. Uh, especially with the year one stuff. And um, it was, I got to say, um, a bit of a mistake. Because to many of us, all we were looking for the entirety of the rest of Destiny 1 
were equivalents to what we had previously. I don't like to change things twice. And I'll tell you something. By the time Age of Triumph came around, I'd found a lot of things that, that were great. But when I got my hands back on that, you know, Vault of Glass loot or the Crota loot, I used that a lot again. And it, it wasn't out of a sense of nostalgia. It was because that was the stuff that I wanted to use the most. And I, it was no longer viable after a certain point. And when I got it back, it was great because, but it was like, that's, motherfucker, that's what I want to use. So what they're proposing is to more or less give an infusion expiration date on weapons. Again, I want to be clear, this isn't something that's definitely coming um, based on what I've read, uh, but it is something they're thinking about where it, between 9 and 15 months after you get a weapon, you won't be able to infuse it anymore. Um, although they did say it may come back at some point later. Um, this doesn't affect exotics. That means that you have a gestation period of a human baby up to, you know, a year and three months before that weapon goes bye-bye. Now, if I look at my loadout right now, in PvE, I tend to rock either a scout or an auto rifle in my genetic slot. I rock a Badlander or a Wishender in my secondary. And in my, my last one, I, I run Truth. That's my PvE. Middle Tree Striker, let's go. That's what I want to use most of the time. You know, I'll, I'll experiment around sometimes and have some fun, but I know how I like to play. I know what I want to do. And those are the weapons that I tend to gravitate toward, okay? Um, because I prefer to adjust my play style to what I'm doing, not my loadout. Um, which isn't always the smartest thing. And I'm, I'm not the most versatile when it comes to my thoughts on how to play the game. And um, I, I just, I like to be aggressive and in your face. So auto rifles and shotguns tend to work, right? Um, but what, and, and I, you know, worked really hard to get the roles that I have. And I like what I like. I like a full auto shotgun with as much range as possible with auto loader on it. So if I got to go up and be like, blah, 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 shoot something. And then run away, switch weapons, and by the time I get to cover, the shotgun's reloaded again. I take a few pot shots and head back in. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what's going to happen is that at some point in the future, if this comes to fruition, both of those weapons, because they're from the same era, they're just going to go away. They're going to go away. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen. I'm going to try and find something that I can use that feels similar to me. Um, and, and I don't want to have to do that. Because what if they don't make something that feels the way I want it to feel? Um, I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like the idea that you've already nailed something in terms of feel and you're taking it away because of a, a concern about power creep. And rather than like picking on certain weapons, which maybe that's what they're going to do, I'll discuss that in a second. You're just saying, I'm assuming, right? Because I haven't discussed this, but I'm assuming that weapons from this date range to this date range will expire on this date, and so on. Because they don't want to sit there and pick on weapons. Now, I would imagine that it's entirely possible that they're going to classify weapons by the most powerful and then different combinations and stuff and give them arbitrary dates. I hope that's not the case. I think it would be easier of a system to say if the weapon came out 
during XYZ season. It goes away during XYZ season. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know how that would play out. The reason that this is being done is that as you push the overall power level in the game, activities remain at the same relative power level, except for endgame content. Weapons come out. You find out that they're really powerful. They remain viable in the game. And you're trying to design new weapons and new encounters. And over time, there's this gap between the end game and the original content of how much power is required to destroy said thing. And it just gets larger and larger. This is what is known widely as power creep. Okay. And you can't. Just bring all weapons up to snuff because then you become so ridiculously powerful you can do a strike by yourself just by walking through it without worrying about shooting anything. You don't want to do that. You don't want to pub stomp the computer all the time. Um, and I'll, although I gravitate towards this school of thought, you don't want to like bring up all of the content difficulty along with the power level either because then it's like, well, what's the point of increasing the power? So. I guess my question becomes this. Um, how do you create a good entry point for everybody? Make raising your power level worth something. And also have a wide range of weapons that are fun to use, but also feasible in the environment that you've created. I don't have the answer to that question. Um, all I know is that I don't want my, my weapons to go away. Um, and I don't think that that's feasible either. I, I think that, you know, I understand the problem they're trying to solve, and I'd imagine they're beating their head against the wall for a while. And I want to acknowledge that this is a very different solution than taking everything from year one and putting the expiration date of year one on it. Um, I, it's similar, don't get me wrong, it's similar, but it's not the same. So we don't want to freak out in that sense. And I will also freely admit that in some cases, it forced me to play the game in different ways, sometimes to my liking, sometimes not. And it's... um as they gradually brought some weapons back, like the Matador and stuff like that, uh, I was pretty happy. Uh, but I, I guess my thought process was, well, if, if these weapons work in the sandbox now, they should never have been taken away in the first place. Um, and I have a feeling that the weapons that are going to be first on the chopping block are the ones that break the sandbox. Uh, things like the Mountaintop, Recluse. Uh, you know, your pinnacle weapons, things like that. And being that they're not doing this to exotics, I'm not too worried about those. So you look at like things like uh, Arantil and, 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 you know, weapons you see all the time, right? Um, so whether this will be a targeted approach or it will be a blanket approach remains to be seen. But I want to be clear if this is something that if you're like me and you think one of the best design choices that were made for Destiny 2 from the get-go was that weapons stay with you, 
which I feel very strongly about, you know, we need to tell Bungie that. And I don't wish this problem on them at all. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Because this does seem like an elegant solution to the power creep problem. Um, and that said, I'm going to throw it out there. Am I a little bored with my loadout? Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I kind of am. In PvE, not so much. In PvE, I'm very, or PvP rather, I should say. You know, in, in, in Crucible. I'm very happy where I'm at. I have a Dust Rock Blues that I love. Got a couple different uh, Uriel's Gifts that I just got dropped for me. I'm happy. You know, I don't want to mess around with that too much because that's where I want the most consistency. PvE, I experiment a bit more. Um, but in PvE, it's like, eh. But, I, I, but sometimes I wonder, is that an issue with my loadout or with the stagnation of content? I, I'd say it's a little bit of both. So there's this small part of my brain that says, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing, dude. Um, so here's something I, I want to make clear as well, and I know I'm jumping around a bit, and I apologize. Um, what they're talking about with the infusion cap limit is that you'll still be able to use the weapon anywhere you want, but it will not be viable in endgame level activities. So, Iron Banner, Trials, Raids, Nightfall. And that's it. So if you're not playing any of that stuff regularly, this may not affect you in any lasting way. If you're not taking the weapons away, they're making them less viable for the endgame stuff. So if that's how it goes, I, you know, I think it'll sting a lot less than it did with, uh, you know, like the year one to year two thing with Destiny 1. I think it'll sting a lot less. Um, but it all depends upon where power level goes and what light levels all the other activities are and so forth. So uh, given that we don't really know that stuff, I don't want to make any definitive statements. But I will say that if light levels more or less stay roughly where they are now in terms of entry level versus this, okay, um, you know, knowing I'll still be able to use the weapons and then be somewhat effective in patrols and stuff like that, that feels good. And I'm grateful that, that it's not just getting taken away. Um, but I think we need to know more before we say, ah! But I also feel like on the most basic level, that they need to be more specific about what kind of weapons are going away. Is it everything within a certain time frame? Is it all weapons within a certain time period? You know, is it the time frame? Is it the, is it the effectiveness of it? Or, or what? Um, but I think Luke was smart in getting out in front of it and saying, okay, this is what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Because, you know, less than two weeks away is trials. And they're like, oh yeah, power's enabled. And we're like, no artifact! And they're like, okay, no artifact. And they fixed it. So, let's be reasonable. Let's be logical, let's be passionate, and let's have a discussion as a community about, you know, that we're concerned about power creep as well. We don't want to feel too powerful, but we want to, our collections to mean something. We don't want all of this time investment that we've made 
to get the God rolls and to get all these things to suddenly be worth nothing. Um, because you can make all the arguments you want. About, well, you had it for a year and a half. Like, what do you want? Well, I want that weapon. If I didn't want it, I'd dismantle it. That's my decision, not yours. And that's the feeling that one has. And there are people that, you know, spend hours upon hours just farming for, you know, weapons and armor. And when you make, when you take the effectiveness of those items away, to many of those people, you are in effect negating the time they spent to get them. I recognize that not everyone feels this way, but you cannot downplay the emotions of those people, those guardians. And, I, and again, I don't have a solution here. I wish I did. Um, but I think we need to talk more as a community about what that means. Okay? So feel free to tweet us at Destiny's Not Dead or, or myself at Grindhead Jim. Let's talk about this. Let's figure out um, what solutions there might be out there. Okay? Uh, it's great to be back on the show. We'll be coming up again very soon. I don't know that it'll be weekly at this point yet or not. Uh, let me know if that's something that you want. I've got a couple guests lined up. We're going to bring them on and talk about the game. And we're going to have a good time, especially leading into trials. Uh, if you want to catch me live, you can catch me over at twitch.tv slash grindheadgym. Otherwise, Destiny's not dead, and I'm glad you're not either. I'm glad I'm not too. You guys take care. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers.